Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. So you know Kate. I'm Kate. Yes. You know Kate. I know me. Yes. You know that on other podcasts where siblings are the hosts, sometimes one of the siblings cannot make the recording of a podcast and they get in a guest. Now, I don't quite understand how that would work in the context of our own podcast, but let's say you had access to any celebrity in the world to replace me. Dead or alive. Oh. Who would you choose to be your co-host for the week that I have the flu. So this person would have to present a book to me. I suppose they would, but they could, you know, they, they could would have they to, could do one from their childhood. It'd be fine. They'd have to do a little bit of research and background information. Let's say they were up to doing that. Yes. First person I thought of, I don't know why, but the first person I thought of was Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. I think he'd That'd be, be a fun podcast. I think it'd be Aww. really fun. It's a bummer he never made it to the podcast era. I guess he was sort of around, but he didn't, like, start his own. The Robin Williams podcast hour. That would be something I would tune into. I mean, I think every episode he wouldn't know what it's about. He would just go. That would be that would be the whole gist. It would just be him, and they'd just have a random person they'd pair with him, and then... It would just be called tangent exactly exactly <laughs> and then like one person would just like start talking about how they're you know they study spiders and he'd go off on that and the next yeah. week it was someone who like mines uranium and they'd go off on that so yeah well it would start with spiders and it would end with a fire hydrant and you don't know how it got from point a to point b but yeah, yeah. i like that so, yeah. so who would yours be who would the person who doesn't know anything about children's literature picture books who would you want to surprise you know what? I, I know he has kids, and I know that he's written children's books, but in spite of that, he really doesn't know. He can't possibly know that much. So, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Wait, Harris. You've already, you've already interviewed him, though. Yeah, but he was super fun. So, now I, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you get the same food every time because you know that's what you yeah, like. Yeah. I happen to like the meal that is called Neil Patrick <laughs> Harris, and I would order it many times. Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Would recommend. And uh, speaking of things we would recommend, what is the name of this podcast here? Fuse 8 and Kate. And what do we do on this podcast? We talk about children's picture books. We do. Uh, and in what context do we talk about children's picture books? Whether they are good or if they're full of spiders. Precisely true. <laughs> Though that we have read a couple spider-filled picture books that were quite good as well. Yeah, so. that black and white one. With yeah, the, the Tony Deacher Lizzie. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. Mary Howitt. Mwah. Uh, no, we talk about more than just spiders. Yes, we take classic <laughs> or potential classic picture books, I should say. Books that are beloved and determined if they have earned the right. As long as they are at love. least 20 years old. As long as they're at least 20 years old. So, very excited about today's book. Uh, this was a book, so when I was a children's librarian, way back in the day in New York City, it was like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I had my story time staple, right? So I had my books that I would do at story time. And it, 
I, you know, sometimes I change it up, but it was pretty much the same five books over and over and over again. Now we've done some of these. We've done uh, Fortunately by Remy Charlip, uh, and uh, quite possibly others. But some of them were a little too new and, and we weren't able to do. But this book is quite old and I did it quite a lot. And I know for a fact other children's librarians are just gaga over it the way that I am. Uh, I think, I don't know what you're going to think of it, but it, it'll be very interesting. Here it is. I'm pulling it out. Anansi and the Moss Covered Rock. By... Retold by Eric A. Kimmel. Illustrated by... Janet Stevens. Right! Anansi. Do you, are you familiar with the Anansi stories at all? The nope. trickster spider from nope. different African cultures? Yes! Anansi. Weren't we uh, just talking about spiders? We were! You read my <laughs> mind! We just were talking about picture books filled with spiders. And in the sense that there is one single spider in this book, and he is on many pages, this picture book is filled with spiders. Is that a hippopotamus? That is definitely a hippopotamus. Is that a hippopotamus Oh, oh no, elbows? what happened to him? Now you're looking at the back of the book and he is not doing well. Yes. Oh, so. he just looks full on the back. Like he ate too much on well, the back. Well, he's leaning over in a very, you know when you're leaning down and you don't look good when you're like leaning down? Nobody well, looks it good. It looks like he, he needs glasses. He's like squinting. Well, he's peering. He is literally peering. I believe, I've read this book so much, the word is peering, what he is doing in he this has picture. elbows. Since when do he has hippop- incredibly spiky elbows. Since when do hippopotamuses have spiky that, you know elbows? how they say how hippopotamuses are the most deadly animals in Africa? Uh, that's how they get you. They don't. They don't tell you. With they just spiky they just, elbows. They just like they just elbow you out of the way in the water. Like get out of the way. I've got to go this way. And that's that's how you die. Is that what the story is about? This is totally about hippo elbows destroying people and the spiders. Okay, that'll read it. Yeah, there you go. Me, that's it totally me. what it's about, Kate. Go enjoy that thing. All right. While Kate does her read, let's talk a little bit about Anansi and Eric Kimmel. So Anansi was specifically a character from West African folklore. It's said that the stories of Anansi the spider originated in Ghana, West Africa, and then these spider tales were transmitted to the Caribbean by way of the transatlantic slave trade. Um, these days, he shows up in pop culture a lot. For example, Orlando Jones played him in the TV adaptation of American Gods. Anansi and the Moss-Covered Rock uh, was in fact written by Eric Kimmel, as were a lot of Anansi stories. And uh, Eric Kimmel, fun fact, I'm gonna surprise Kate with this one, is actually also the author of Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins, a very different book. Uh, he's a five-time winner of the National Jewish Book Award. And from my own memory, and this could be wrong, but I believe he lives in Portland, Oregon, not that far from a series of Beverly Cleary statues that I visited once for reasons. So that is your random fact for you to chew on today. Can I just say one word? Sure. Pow! No. Pow. It is not pow. It wasn't pow? I thought it was pow. No. It's been a long time since I've read this book. No, it's not pow. Is it bam? No. We're going to get to it. It's not bam? No, because now I... Now I'm baffled. Because I don't know how you pronounce it. It's one of my questions to you. Oh, okay, because I've done it a million times and yet don't remember it at all. So that's jumping, a good sign. you're jumping ahead, Betsy. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'm jumping ahead. So we meet the spider and he's walking through a forest and he comes across a moss-covered rock. Right. And he says out loud right like you do when you're talking to yourself in the woods yeah he says 
isn't this a strange moss-covered rock? Kapow! Is that it? No. And and immediately it is spelled out. K-pow. K-P-O-M. Oh, kapom. Kapom. That's what it is. Is it? I remember it as kapow, but it's kapom. Yeah. You gotta do it with like a hand motion at the same time. Kapom. Like that. Kapom. You surprise the audience because it's a page turn, so they don't expect it. And then suddenly, like, you're in their face going, like, blow- pump like okay, that. And then you just blow out the and microphone all, oh, multiple like times. Many yeah. times. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's okay. my goal. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So he falls down. Everything goes black. He wakes up an hour later. His head is spinning, and he doesn't know what happened. And he's like, that's so strange. I was... I was on this path. Walking, walking, walking. I saw this moss-covered thing. I, I woke up. Well, I, I, I saw this thing. I, I said out loud, again, <laughs> isn't this a strange moss-covered rock? And again, he... Kapom. Yes, he yeah. he falls down. He... Can I tell you, I never noticed that was not a W at the end of it, and I've been saying kapow all these years. Oh, no, that's an M, Betsy. Yeah, that was not what I was saying. Yep. So... Wow. <laughs> So he My life is a lie. You're welcome. Seriously. That's what I'm here for. So uh-huh. he wakes up an hour later again and he's like, Oh, I know what's happened. This is a magic rock. And like any, you do. Anytime someone comes along and says the magic words Isn't and, this a and it says, Isn't this a strange <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite part. Down he goes. At which point I'm looking at this rock covered mm-hmm. in moss. And it looks like there's eyes peeking out of now, it. Now, that's interesting. I've never why, looked at that. Why is the moss Looking continuously moving? Moss doesn't move like this. Yet... Maybe a lot of time has passed between <laughs> being Well, it's just been two hours out. at this point. According to this, but yeah. I don't know. I just I thought Maybe that it's was how the light's hitting it. So the spider decides to take advantage of all of his friends. Right. Quote, unquote, friends. Like you do. Starting with the lion. And he sees a lion sitting on a porch... With a bunch of yams in, in sitting in front yams. of him. Yams, he's just sitting there. And he has like a lizard tied to I a rope. I have never noticed that. Are you serious? I've never noticed that lizard. Okay, the lizard is on the world's shortest leash. That's Because well, I'm thinking when the lion lizard. rocks back and forth, uh, that poor lizard is getting go choked. Go a little back. Go a little front. Also, go a little front. the spider and the lion can talk and the lizard doesn't say Maybe anything. Maybe the lizard doesn't choose to talk. Maybe the lizard realizes no good is going to come from talking to a Nazi, and it would be correct in this assumption. Wouldn't the spider think, oh, the lizard is probably storing eggs somewhere. Maybe I should... I think that's a. I think that lizard's on a short leash for a reason. I think that's an attack <laughs> lizard. Right. I think a Nazi's going to keep far away from that lizard. Well, the spider comes up to the lion and says, hey, lion, it's super hot today. Why don't we go out in a cool forest? And the lion's like, cool. So then they go out into a cool forest, and the lion is bending forward over the rock. Spiky elbows akimbo. And uh, and the spider's like, do you, do you see what I see? And the lion's like, oh, yeah. And he says the exact same words. Because what else are you going to say? Isn't this a strange moss-covered rock? At which point he somehow, again, K-P-O-M. Kapom. Yes. He... Even though he was bending forward, the laws of physics don't apply to him because he's now on his back. I don't know how fainting allows you to go backwards. Maybe it's a very specific kind of fainting. I don't know. That's that is a weird. You're right though. He should have gone forward. He should have. He should be. He should be lying on the rock. He should be on the rock. Perhaps the rock has some ability to keep things people from falling on it because it would injure the rock potentially. 
Well, the lion wakes up. He goes back to his porch. All of his food is gone because the spider took it. But the lizard is still, still there. Got his lizard. And he's sleeping. Guess you're going to have to eat your lizard now. No. Well, he lost his yams. I just like that the lizard could care less. That oh, the, the lion lizard could not care less. Yeah. It was probably helping a Nazi load him into bags. Or well, if you didn't notice the lizard, then you're probably not going to notice the next animal, which no. is when the spider then goes to the elephant, who is also on his porch, yeah. with a pile of bananas in front of him. Right. But the elephant has a fan running on the ceiling. Uh-huh. But the only way to run this fan is with mice running on the fan blades. To you know what? I'd like to right now <laughs> offer my apologies to Janet Stevens all these years for not noticing any of these details <laughs> and having read this book literally a hundred times <laughs> i saw none of this oh yeah i thought those huh. i thought those clever that's a very cute detail yeah it's weird because i thought elephants were afraid of mice but if they're up there i guess they're not as scary well the spider goes up to the elephant and he plays the exact same trick hey it's super hot let's go into cool forest elephant's like cool i'll join you and so they go into i have no reason not to trust you yep i go into the forest and they check out hey look he says the exact same words that for some reason everyone can't stop saying Mm -hmm. isn't this a strange moss covered rock Mm -hmm. again the elephant is bending forward looking at this rock i mean to be fair it's funnier if they're on their back and it's he's it's a funnier position no i think it'd be funnier if he lands (laughs) on his stomach with his butt in the air (laughs) come on that's funny i don't know ear to the ground like the position but in the air but in the air you know what if if janet stevens wants to show us the alternate illustrated version of the butts in the air i would allow her to do so so all throughout, I've noticed that there's this... Oh, you noticed, well, little yeah. bush deer. Okay, so there's this sneaky deer that's, mm-hmm. like, watching this entire story. He's on the cover page. She? Thank you. She, sorry. She. She's on the cover page. Uh, she sees when the spider meets the rock, when the spider talks to the lion, when the lion faints, when the spider talks to the elephant, when the elephant meets the rock, and when the elephant faints. Like... There's constantly this deer, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's cute that the illustrator decided to put a little like animal in there without mm-hmm. acknowledging it. Oh no no no! And no. then no 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 no! It's, no, it's no, it gets no, acknowledged. No. Okay, so oh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm yeah. jumping ahead. The what elephant. Are the, what are the mice up to in this last shot? Oh, here? they're just watching the elephant. Like, <laughs> are you okay? Because the elephant is coming up the stairs He's like he's distraught. Like he has no eyes. Like they've been sewn over. It's yeah, really disturbing. They're, they're really wrinkly. And uh, he's coming up the you know, back onto his porch. All of his bananas are gone, and he's really sad. Yeah. So then. I love this sequence. We find out <laughs> that the spider has animal. done this to all of his friends, including a rhinoceros, right. a hippopotamus, right. a giraffe, mm-hmm. and a zebra. But what I love the most is that the giraffe has very long eyelashes. I like that. I also like the giraffe and zebra have their legs up like they're dead cockroaches. <laughs> well, they do. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay, so then... We're introduced to Little Bush Deer, in which I'm like, oh, man, I really wish that the deer hadn't been actually part of I the mean, story. I mean, I'll tell you right now, the lizards and the mice weren't pointed out, so there I are know. details I... in here that were not mentioned in the text. I guess. Okay. So, right. So we meet this Little Bush Deer who has seen everything that the spider has been doing to all of his quote-unquote friends, mm-hmm. and Little Bush Deer decides it was time for the spider to learn a lesson. Yeah. So, Okay. Okay, here's the thing. (laughs) This is going to be about hooves. Okay, we have a deer. Yeah. Climbing up a coconut tree. Right there. 
getting coconuts, mm-hmm. carrying the coconuts down the tree, putting them in a basket, and carrying the basket back and forth to the it's deer's a very home. Small basket. Looks Look, like you can carry one coconut. I, I'm well. It looks. It carries oh, two. Oh, it's two. It's two coconuts. I, right. I'm with you with believing that there's a magic rock. Okay. Sure. I am with you with <laughs> believing talking animals. Sure. But this. This is too much. You can't take. This you is can't a, take the. Uh, this is pushing the wherewithal it. of a of a deer. No, this is. It's a little, a little bush deer. It's a little little bush deer. I. These are not very big coconuts. I suspect they just look big. They look huge. I mean, the, this is a tiny deer in a tiny tiny tree. Yeah, it's a tiny. It's like I mean, a, all that's all that little bush deer could do to get up. Well, somehow bush deer managed to get at least. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Probably at least seven coconuts. Oh, I like how some of them have been opened up to lure Anansi yes. closer. <laughs> like, yes. like when we used to point out peanuts for the chipmunks. It's like, oh, yeah. there's a path. Well, oh. it says that the spider really likes to eat the tender white coconut meat and drink the coconut milk. Um, Which, if you've never had a coconut, would sound delicious. <laughs> it is delicious. But it's, not, it's not delicious. Coconuts are disgusting. <laughs> coconuts taste great. Anyway, Ugh. so... Um, immediately, you know, so she's setting up this trap for the spider. And I really like, I think it's interesting that it's a female teaching a male a lesson. Oh, heck yeah. And then of course, uh, spoiler alert, the spider doesn't learn his lesson, but. Well, no, he never does. <laughs> but yeah. I do like that it's a female teaching a male oh, a yeah, lesson. Oh, yeah, 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 Uh, so, right. So the trap is set. Spider comes up, is like, you look super hot. It's super hot today. Let's go out into the cool forest. And the deer's like. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Let's play. So, so they get into the forest, and uh, the deer is very smart, and she immediately knows what's going on, and and the spider's like, "Oh, look at that!" And she's like, "I don't see anything." Yeah. Oh no, 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 it's it's right there. Mm, no, no, I don't, I don't see anything. Spider's like, you must see it. It is right. That's there. exactly how I read that line. Yes. <laughs> and this bird's like, just say just it. Look at it. And this deer's like, well, say say what? And this bird's like, you know. And this bird's like, oh. Well, the deer is like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. Is that I'll, what you want me to say? Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll yeah, make you right, happy. So- I'll, I'll say it. <clears throat> you know. <laughs> and this bird's like, no, it's not what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say you know. Well, what am I supposed to say? You're supposed to say is that this is a strange moss-covered rock. Kapam. Kapam. There oh, you go. And so then good. the spider goes down. He's down. And then we get to my tattoo of the week. That's oh, it. what's your tattoo of the week? My tattoo of the week is a sassy deer. Oh, look at her with her little knees up, like, and her little Ankles head is crossed. Like, Ankles crossed. Grin on that little, those little cheeks. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. So the deer gets everyone to get their food back out of the spider's hut, mm-hmm. where it was apparently holding a whole bunch of yams. Well, they couldn't get past the and the bananas no and yeah. a watermelon and pineapples and I'm gonna assume lemons. her coconuts, but and, she doesn't. I don't know where the coconuts would be, but sure. The, yeah. I think the coconuts coconuts are still on her. Oh right, because he didn't porch. get a chance to take them. Exactly. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So all the animals take all of their food back to their homes. At which point. The spider, it's interesting. The spider wakes up mm. at his home. Someone, it doesn't, no, no, it shows him in the home, but it doesn't say he woke up at the home. 
Well, the illustration shows him. No, that's just him like pondering his next move, I think. I think he's walked home, seen all the stuff is missing, and now he's like, he's doing like the spider Mr. Burns equivalent of like rubbing his hands together, like, I've got a new plan. Well, yeah, he gets gets home, he finds his house is empty, and then it says, if you think Anansi, Anansi? Anansi. Learned his lesson, you're mistaken. Wrong! Because he still plays tricks to this day. The end. Yep. So I was like, he's learned oh, nothing. That's that's an interesting way to end it. Well, it's because it's part of a series. So there are other uh, Anansi books. You see, this was one of I should really know the number. There were like three, at least, possibly four, um, written by Mister Eric Kimmel. Eric Kimmel, by the way, we have done an Eric Kimmel book on the show, but it was in a very different book. I don't suppose you remember a little book by the name of Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. Whoa, yeah. Same dude. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. We have not done a Janet Stevens illustrated book, which is kind of a shocker because she's done a ton of books, including at least one Caldecott honor winner. Um, In any case, yeah. So he did a bunch of these. He does folktales. So he does folktales from all around the world. And so I got to thinking. I mean, Anansi's a West African folktale i believe uh specifically ghana and so i got to thinking about cultural appropriation i mean have people objected to these anansi books they are very popular with librarians telling story times and things like that and i scoured the web and if anyone has ever objected to them i cannot find evidence of it and possibly because he's a very broad folktale he's not from a single tribe he he was um, he's Afro-Caribbean, so, you know, the, the stories were brought to the Caribbean. Um, and then he, also the American South, there were a lot of Anansi stories in the American South. So he's very, very broad. Um, so maybe people just don't associate him with one location, and that's why it's okay. I don't know. I do know that Neil Gaiman used him um, as a character in American Gods. And then there was this interview with Neil Gaiman uh, in the Evening Standard, where he was quoted saying, would I write Anansi Boys now? No, uh, he says, pointing out that he penned his lively take on the Afro-Caribbean character at the behest of Lenny Henry and with advice from other black authors. For the adaptation, there are five writers and I'm the only white one on the team. There are no white directors. This was for the Anansi Boys uh, television show. Uh, and that felt incredibly important to me just as it did that we have two black women as writers as well. So... You know, that's another case of Anansi being used in popular culture. And yeah, he just doesn't get the attention, I would say, of uh, some of the other characters. But yes, ratings time. Well, I think this is very clever. It's so fun. I like the illustrations, especially the sassy bush deer. Mm-hmm. Um, I like also the mice on the fan blades. And the fact that the spider didn't learn his lesson. Yeah, um, I love that. It is a misleading cover because the deer is nowhere in sight on the front. Oh, she's not in the, in the Or bushes? on the back. Oh, weird. Yeah. Huh. But that's I, a little weird. But I gave it a solid seven. Yeah, I love... This was, like I say, I had five books I read consistently. And I always liked books that would surprise the kids. And this book could. Because when you do that kapom and you do it really loudly with like a hand motion... At the same time, they're, they're just a little jump in their little seats. They don't know what's coming. And uh, they usually don't know this book. It doesn't get read in schools as much, uh, as far as I can tell. It's really kind of a librarian love book. I, I'm, I'm giving that a, an eight. I love it. I love the art. I love the writing. I love the storytelling. So with our scores combined, it's over a five. So Yay! it's a classic. It's a classic. All right. Woo! 
All right, so letters time. Ooh. All right, so Jill uh, wrote when we did uh, Bear Snores On, and she said, one of my personal faves, loved your commentary, especially the explanation for the rabbit's contorted face. <laughs> yes, indeed, where he looks like he's got all... Yeah, he's got a To take this read aloud to another level, check out West Tank's YouTube channel where he wraps the text. It's top-notch. I will... Be including oh that boy. video in our show notes. Oh uh, I don't know how that'll go. Yeah. I, maybe it's something good. Maybe it's something bad. We don't know. Uh, meanwhile, over on, let's see, this was a comment on Facebook. Uh, it was when we discussed the air traffic controller. Uh, it was the night before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, for, for Natasha Tours, it was a nice before Christmas. The fact that she even knew what an airplanes were baffled me to begin with. Um <laughs> Janice wrote in, she said, uh, she took issue with us saying that they were chipmunks. She said, I think they're flying squirrels as they are nocturnal and the coloration is correct. And that would make so much more sense. Maybe flying squirrel would be an air traffic controller. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. So hat tip to you, Janice. Now, the third one um, was that we were, we have uh, someone who follows us quite frequently on Instagram, Pipes and Kidlet. And when we did the Tasha Tudor book. With the corgi. With the, the corgi, with, with, the, the, with the pipe. Yeah. They in turn tagged dogs with pipes. <laughs> now, the best part of all of this is that I hadn't really been paying attention, but my dear friend Travis Yonker, who has a blog of his own uh, with School Library Journal called 100 Scope Notes, decided to write a post called Enter the World of Incredibly Specific Children's Literature Instagram Accounts. Where he found the following. Pipes and Kidlet leads. Well done there. Children's book cakes. Hot dads of picture books. <laughs> I think some people have to follow that. The art in the background. So remember, we you've pointed out paintings and yeah. stuff in the background. Yeah. Newspapers illustrated. Anyone yeah. reads a newspaper? Yeah, we, we did that one. Yeah. Illustrated mailboxes. Rotary, fo- rotary dial phones illustrated. Hmm. Ghosts on the page, <laughs> illustrated windows in books, and quilts in kids' books. Interesting. These are all Instagram accounts that do, in fact, exist. That's awesome. And uh, I just have to hat tip Travis for finding each and every one of them. Um, and now other- we're now we're gonna have to tag them. <laughs> oh, oh, now we're gonna have to like not only pay attention, but every time we do these posts, we're going. Yes, we are definitely going to have to tag them. I feel I regret I cannot find somebody did comment. I think it was on Facebook to him, pointing out more Instagram oh, accounts boy. that he missed because, of course, there were grown up things we like. Um, okay, so this week I've been working out more than ever. Yeah, in my life. I'm a little um, concerned. And it's because about my record. Okay. Not about you. Okay, hold on. It, it, it's because of the challenges app. So there's this app that allows anyone with an iWatch to compete with others on movement, exercise, and standing. And right now, you're in the lead. Of course I am. Um, but I'm hoping by the end of the month. I will be victorious. So it's a great motivator. I like your, uh, I like your optimism there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's a great motivator if you're competitive. So if you have an iWatch and you want to compete with others who also have iWatches, download the Challenges app. Um, and it's a great motivation to move more and to uh, beat your siblings into smithereens. All right. Uh, my grown-up thing is, so your it was your, your husband, the penguinologist, who 
turned me on to the podcast 99% Invisible, uh, which I've enjoyed very much. He actually, the reason he even let me know about it was that they were doing a thing on Ann Carol Moore. I am only now beginning to listen to that episode. I couldn't bring myself to listen to it before. Um, I'm listening to it now. They get some things right. They get some things wrong. They get some things really wrong. It's really interesting. Uh, But one that they did recently that absolutely I thought was one of the most fascinating in the entire world was the episode, it was episode 519, and I'm going to have to pronounce this correctly, um, Balak Bayan boxes. So these are um, boxes that Filipinos who are not uh, living in the Philippines send back to relatives in the Philippines. Oh, I know what those are. Do you? Yeah. Because there's a whole episode on them, and in the course of things, they do the entire history of America and the Philippines. And now I know so much more and I know a ton more about these boxes, which I was completely unaware of. So I highly recommend this episode. I recommend the podcast as well. I love Roman Mars's voice. I find it very soothing. Um, But beyond that, check it out, folks. Episode 519. It was around the Christmas season that was playing. And uh, yeah, I like buying boxes. Okay. Who knew? Yeah. I, I did. You you knew. Well, well, of course you it knew. It helps I married into a Filipino yeah, you family. Married into so. a Filipino family. It would come up at some point. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I'm not married to anybody who was Filipino, so I had no idea. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. Cool. All right. Well, we've done, let's see. We've done a, a book that I that we both liked. That's been... Yeah, we've done a couple recently, but I, this was a pretty high one. I, I would, would like say. a controversial one where you really like it and I really hate it. Or... Well, we get that sometimes. Uh, you know, and I don't know. I want to fight, like. Betsy. Let's fight. Yeah, we'll see. I've got a <laughs> really, really, really weird cult one coming up, but I didn't want to do that one next. Uh, yeah, we'll figure something out. I think uh, I have some ideas in mind for the okay. next one. But until I actually decide on those ideas, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM, or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our strange moss-covered Drew Kapam is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate, Atienza, and Betsy Bird.